0: And uh, my mom was was broiling something, and had the oven door, you know, like three quarters of the way open, or whatever, Ugh. or quarter or, or halfway open, or whatever. And the heating element that's at, that's inside of the oven, inside of the range, it like busted open, and electricity, like in its rost form, is like spitting out like lightning bolts and <laughs> and fire, with uh like like this the sound of uh, uh, like a train or something. and it, uh,
1: So what kind of, I mean, was it old?
0: Yeah, yeah, it was real old. And uh, like the breaker <laughs> didn't trip, it was just like, just spitting out electricity. And uh, my mom Wait, starts- are you,
2: are, are you sure you're not confusing this memory of your mother in the kitchen with that scene from The Bride of Frankenstein? with like <laughs> the the hair and the white streaks in the hair and the in the electricity
0: putting on the Ritz <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> No
0: this 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 is this is something that really happened and uh, so my mom screams and I just sit there and watch the the lightning bolts come out and and uh, my dad comes over and just closes the oven door, <laughs> and then goes out and shuts off the breaker. <laughs> and how many sure- beers
2: did he have during b- between shutting the uh, door and uh, shutting off the? Uh- <laughs> <laughs>
1: did he did he light his did he light it before he closed the door <laughs> he actually used
2: the electricity he used the the, the 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 shooting bolts of electricity to light
0: his smoke
1: did
0: you, know that you can light did you know that you can light a marble red off of raw electricity
1: <laughs> oh that's awesome uh, okay
2: that's good because I want I want to talk about some other heroes from the seventies today, <laughs> other
0: than other than Pa Grimm. I, I see uh, something that's over your right shoulder there, Jeff. My copy of uh, the Hitch twenty two.
1: <laughs>
2: nope, Esquire's God guide to modern etiquette every page of this sweet beauty has got something for the modern man though i have to tell you i um i threw the travel um part out the window on our recent uh our recent uh road trip
0: jeff jeff bought this book for me when i was probably 13 or
2: 14 (laughs) okay well Look, I don't want to. I don't want to spoil what sounds like a sweet memory. I probably had it, and for some reason I had to give you a present. <clears throat> so I just like like looked through my through my bookshelf and thought, you know, what could you use? Like what? Yeah. What, what
1: did you need? And what do I what not want, want anymore that I can give to Brian? Uh, that's not
2: true. <laughs> that's no. not true. In fact, because I gave another one to his kid, and um, I gave one to producer Jack, and then I didn't have one. So then I like had to like go on to eBay. I paid top dollar for this one. Go on Brian.
0: Tell um, us how it
2: changed uh, your life.
0: <laughs> well, I so I brought it to school just to read and I thought, okay, I can just read a book and nobody's really going to care what Brian Grimm is up to. Wow. I know it. Rookie mistake. You got the crap beat out of you, didn't you? No, this kid's like, "What are you reading?" And I'm like, "Oh, it's nothing. Don't worry <laughs> about it." Why are you reading? yeah and i showed to him he's like dude the title of that book should be how to pick up chicks <laughs> i'm like no it's no it shouldn't Uh and then did you read it
2: and realize he,
0: he was right yeah there whoever had this book before me and i you must have picked it up used probably Right. No, Brian, I brought it, I bought it new in 1959. <laughs> I'm gonna go out on a limb here and say that you bought it, you bought it used. But the somebody like there are a couple of things, like there's a couple of sections that are that are like circled in like very fine pencil. It's like important.
2: <laughs> no way. It's yeah. got the it's got the marginal note important on the side.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, I'll have, did to, he ever, I'll have
2: to. Did he ever circle anything that wasn't important? Because I'm thinking, you know, your own <laughs> internal code could just be if I circle it, it's important.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I don't know. I'll have to go back and look through it and see. But it, it, it seemed like something that was just uh, like common sense to me. But I don't know. That's just me, the modern gentleman that I am
2: you are a modern gentleman uh i see i i highlight mine in uh in with a yellow highlighter and then in fine pencil i i write in the margin
0: highlightable this is a highlight
1: <laughs>
0: okay
2: so here's how i wanted to start it today start today I was hang on let's just see if i can do this i want to do this in one take okay are we ready Wow, that was hot. What?
1: That's pretty good.
0: <laughs> okay. Okay. Did, did you just eat? Did you just eat one of those big spicy chips?
2: Uh, Mrs. Winger made uh, green chilies with, uh, or green green chili with Hatch's green chili that she got last year. So, uh, it was great. It was great. Yeah. But here's something that you will never hear uh, Hatch's green chili called, and that's nature's gentle laxative.
0: <laughs> Amen. Correct. <No. laughs>
2: All right. Are we are we ready?
0: Get it.
1: I was ready. Get some. Eight minutes ago.
2: <laughs> Stand by to get some. Uh, uh, howdy. Welcome to the Managing Expectations podcast. I'm your host Jeff Winger. We're so happy to have uh, the, the the boys are back in town. So uh, with us as always is uh, the aide de camp Brian Grimm. Howdy, Brian. Howdy, Jeff. And back from a little time away, the Segundo Jared Reiser. Howdy, Jared. Howdy, guys okay so um uh we have some things that we want to talk about but uh, brian did you want to share but did you want to share something from uh, esquire's guide to my modern etiquette
0: Let me see if i can find something important
2: um yeah, may <laughs> I a um, chapter
1: on picking up chicks
2: <laughs> okay if you uh, if you're a gentleman are you drinking a long are you drinking a lone star tall boy Jared
1: no. no no alcohol oh yeah haven't had alcohol in a while like three whole days that's <laughs> a start <laughs>
2: um okay so uh I, I would maybe, uh,
0: maybe, maybe I'll just read something very very quickly about invitations oh nice. from the uh, yeah how's that sound
2: Yeah. Yeah. Hit it.
0: Uh, After constructing a good invitation list, your next best preventative against embarrassing moments is to issue specific invitations. Whether you invite people by telephone or in writing, be sure to make the following crystal clear. The place, the date, the hour or span of hours, the kind of party, people want to know particularly particularly if you're going to feed them or if they should make other plans for the meal and might conceivably fall into into these hours which might conceivably fall into these hours so uh if you're going to make an invitation make sure that it's crystal clear uh the time the place what kind of party it is and uh, if there's going to be food it's good advice
2: seems very sensible okay uh yeah You don't want to just be a slapdash host and say, uh, hey, come on over, you know, whenever you feel like it. You know, we'll just be how you feel. Uh, See, I was looking at page, uh, the chapter about travel in the USA. And uh, here under the subheading on long trips, we read the following.
0: Uh, What page, please? Uh,
2: Page 193. If you'd like to turn to page 193 in your hymnal. Jared, we need to get you one of these. It's way more fun. And frankly, you could use some work.
1: Hey, get you, you talking about the book? <laughs> yeah. And so I, I'm going to uh, this happened last episode we did together. I, need, I just need to get some uh, headphones that can just plug into this thing because they keep going in and out. So sometimes I'm not getting everything you're saying. Sorry.
2: That's OK. Uh, you you work on that while I read. This isn't a book. This isn't a, a book club edition. It's just oh, uh, Brian and I. Just Not started. another
1: book, Jeff. I don't like the person you become when you read books. <laughs>
0: uh, yeah. uh, if you look behind him. <laughs> <I know. laughs> anyway,
2: on long trips on long trips on extended drives. There's no rule of etiquette to prevent your being dressed comfortably. If you're going to stop in motels, you may quite properly drive up in slacks, open neck shirt and all the grime of the day's drive. If you expect to stop at hotels, it might be better to spruce up a little before stepping into view of the dormant, room clerks and a lobby filled with city groomed guests. The sprucing can be as simple as a stop at an outlying gas station and the addition of a sports jacket and tie to your driving outfit. Then you should change to clean and less casual clothes before going into the dining room. En route, of course, you'll display the same manners as in your home territory. Some people seem to think that other states take more kindly than their own to orange peels and empty bottles strewn from car windows onto the countryside some drive as if little towns were put there only to slow them down unnecessarily some make no secret of their belief that all strange people are out to jip them okay that's what it says and we'll talk about that in a minute all unfamiliar food prepared to poison them all local regulations slightly ridiculous okay a lot of good information in there like make you know stop at a gas station to spruce up a little bit let's get that tie and jacket on gentlemen before before hitting the hotel a motel probably don't have to wear a tie hotel come on what are we what are we savages
0: so um,
2: <laughs> when I was writing for the newspaper, have I already told this story? When I was writing for the newspaper um, in the Northwest, um, I uh, typed. I, I was I was typing up the story and was going to type the, you know, uh, something about somebody getting gypped. So I typed in J I P P E D, and I got the squiggle line that indicated that I misspelled the word like what and then I like like you know I mean I try like well there's only one p I mean I'm trying to like you know is is it a g you know finally it got me corrected to g y p p e d and I well that's that's crazy but I swear to you I didn't I didn't think about it well then we got a really angry letter from a member of the public who actually was angry about almost everything and was a frequent writer to the editors of not just our paper, but all of them uh, saying that uh, this is actually a slur. It's uh, 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 derived from gypsy. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I, I swear I, I didn't know. Um, and so, you know, I, I, I responded, you know, in print and I apologized and explained that I'd been to Europe and seen the plight of the Roma people and, uh, you know, lived to fight another day. Brian is something funny. (laughs)
0: You You didn't comment on the number of Roma friends that you have or anything like that? (laughs)
2: <laughs> some of my best friends are Roma
0: the tomatoes anyway uh, you know growing up in in Denver you know as a member of Gen X that was that was pretty heavily used in everyday language and it seems like it was also in 1956 when this book was written
2: <laughs> Uh like, yeah. Well, okay. Well, you know. Um, okay. So, by the way, Jared, this this book could easily be, like, I mean, this could have been used by Matthew Weiner as like um, part of the source material for Mad Men. I mean, like about how guys are, uh, behave, how guys behave, and what have you. Um, hey that reminds me um, I had a mad Men question it doesn't matter uh, yeah well look I mean there's a lot of stuff that comes in and out uh, and I'm saying if you if you were to rent or, or nobody rents anything anymore uh, if you were to watch a, a TV uh, a, a movie called 16 Candles which came out when I was a kid uh, when I was a teenager so you know, roughly I'm the same age as Michael Anthony Hall and Molly Ringwald. And then there was like some, um, uh, some, some beefcake. who was like who you get when you can't get Matt Dillon. Um, I don't know. He was, he was a handsome guy. He did fine in the movie. And then like, I've never seen him again. So I don't know what the deal was. Anyway, um, there's like a scene where like uh, like a lot of actors um, had tiny roles in that. So like John Cusack was in it, Joan Cusack was in it, um, and they were, they were all. There was like banter of the 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 high school boys, um, and they were calling each other names that uh, we would call each other things, uh, each other names and, you know, I could see how it would be, uh, uh, cause offense today, but I'm just saying that's just how we talked and, and I'm talking about things that, um, Oh, okay, well, I, I don't, I don't mean to be coy, and I don't mean to have dead air. Um, I mean things that would be perceived that would be understood as homophobic today. We would call each other, and we just kind of meant idiot. Now, I don't know that that doesn't make it sound better that we're equa- that we're equating sexuality slurs with idiocy. But nobody was really thinking in terms of sexuality and whatever. I mean, in in the suburbs of Denver in 1982. I mean, there were probably three guys, but you know, we weren't calling any of them that, just each other. In fact, in fact, Joe Jackson, the English pop singer. So his biggest album was uh, Night and Day, which is um, Stepping Out. Do you guys know that song, Stepping Out? Mm -hmm. um uh had a a long pop rock uh career uh an accomplished musician but on that uh, same album with night and day he has a line in a song which um uh called i think real man um and he says don't call me a faggot unless you are my friend and um, you know that was kind of uh, a thing that we all got uh, over, but it's still it's still captured in sixteen candles.
0: Dire, also, dire Straits had had a huge hit where I was they, just
1: thinking of that, yeah, yeah, <laughs> MTV song. Yep, I want my MTV. And they and they must have
2: removed that because you hear that song out and about. I mean, that song still gets played, though. I don't think that that's that section yeah maybe
0: doesn't uh yeah the world changes
2: yeah it sure does okay as it's changed um since 1977 which is the year i want to take you fellers back to (laughs) because I,
0: i i remember a lot from 1977
2: Sure. (laughs) Getting your diaper changed. (laughs) Electricity shooting out of the oven.
0: Not walking yet. (laughs) The
2: thing is, Brian, I know that you you have a, a sense of history. You didn't just like pop out of mama's womb in 76 and say, okay, it's all started now. Nothing that came before matters one little bit, you know, know, you'll be talking to a kid and you're like saying something about whatever Mussolini and they're like, who? It's like, well, um, so there's this thing called World War II and Mussolini wasn't (laughs) like, I mean, he was kind of one of the main guys, fascist, Italy, no, nothing. When was that? I wasn't even born yet. (laughs) But <laughs> of course, you got to have like a working knowledge of Il Duce, because because there's like that one like bit of like newsreel footage where he's like out on the balcony. Um, uh, there's, like, there's like a parade going by and he does this thing where he crosses his arms and he's like just he's like, oh, so pleased with himself. Um, Matt LeBlanc kind of can do that. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe Matt LeBlanc. Should... Did you
0: did you did you use that uh, description to uh, remind the, the young person who you were talking to about World War II? He's the guy from the balcony. He's really known well for being on a balcony, and not
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: Matt LeBlanc. Who's how am I supposed to know who Matt LeBlanc is? Yeah, <laughs> wasn't he on a TV show in the '90s?
0: It's a good thing Jared's here because we're going to talk about Matt LeBlanc and Friends, Jared's favorite TV yep. show.
1: See what I'm here for. <laughs> yeah, J- How you J- doing,
2: <laughs> Jared, Jared? Jared just keeps his uh, version of uh, the the Friends edition of Trivial Pursuit out all the time. They don't even put it up. <laughs> so, I mean, if you just pay him a visit, we're playing.
0: Uh, Jeff, you were taking us back to I,
2: 1977. I was. Uh, two, <laughs> two, two movies. Uh, well, it was, it was quite a year for movies. Um, Star Wars came out, and that's the last I'm going to say about it. Um, or or Star, Star Wars made a ton of money in 77 anyway. Uh, but two other movies that seem to have very little in common, but I'd like to explore the connections. Uh, Annie Hall by woody allen um he wrote it and directed it uh starred in it uh it 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 seems autobiographical to me though he says well no not really um diane keaton plays the um titular annie hall um and then tony roberts paul simon was in it It who's pretty pretty hilarious Uh, it, it wasn't like, screamingly funny, but, I mean, Paul Simon, I'm thinking, just played himself. He's, like, this groovy musician who's just, like, kind of after Annie Hall. Uh, but also that year, Smokey and the Bandit came out. <laughs> now, Brian and I have discussed previously how difficult it is to just find something mostly unobjectionable to watch, to just, you know, veg a little, enjoy a good show with, with the family. So um, I found Smokey and the Bandit, which it turns out Mrs. Winger had never seen. Uh, yeah. So I actually laughed out loud several times when we watched this the other night (laughs) because some things okay and kind of like you know you know like the laughs that you get from mad men because stuff that was said in all sincerity is like so unbelievably wrong that it's just hilarious that it even got said that Mm -hmm. it was ever said that you could ever get away with this so there was some of that there's some stuff that was like legitimately funny and some stuff just Made me laugh because it made me laugh when I was twelve. Um, so, do, uh, um, Brian, you've seen Smoky the Bandit?
0: I have. I, I I see all of the films with Dom DeLuise in them. Dom DeLuise was not in Smoky and the Bandit. What? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm thinking, I'm thinking of Cannonball Run.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Um, Smoking the Bandit is Bergman <laughs> compared to, to Cannonball Run.
0: So, Mr. Mr. Reynolds, you were in this movie. <laughs> you remember that celebrity? <laughs> <With> Norm Macdonald. <laughs> Yeah, he was like this. Mo- this this movie proved that cannonballs can run. <laughs> Anyhow, sorry, Smokey uh, yeah. and the Bandit. Yep, I have seen Smokey and the Bandit. Uh, okay, not can- not cannonball run, but also with Burt Reynolds and driving fast and trying to get from one place to another quickly.
2: Okay, so I've done. Okay, so here's the thing. So there was a stunt man named uh, Hal Needham, who was like a paratrooper in Korea, and he, I, I mean, I'm sure he's from Scots Irish stock. He comes from Greater Appalachia. He grew up in Tennessee and Missouri, and made his way to Hollywood, where he was uh, a stunt man, and he like studied under John Wayne's guy and then he started doing his own stunt work and then he he was a he was coordinating uh something but like he did okay so like remember uh I think it's the James Bond movie Mm -hmm. live and let die where he's being he's being chased and like they go up on two wheels, and so like a like a forty five degree angle. They go through an alley that only just fits them because they're on two wheels <laughs> and a forty five degree angle. Do you remember this? Mm-hmm. I think that's a Hal Needham bit. I mean, I think he designed that. Like when he was like the stunt guy. I mean, the, the like I don't know what the stunt overseer, whatever that is. Okay. <laughs> which is really something we should look into so so then so then he goes to uh so, so he writes this this screenplay called "Smoky and the Bandit and okay so he and then he'd been doubling uh now for Burt Reynolds for a while so they were they were buddies they were friends okay and uh, apparently, apparently, uh, some people have said that the relationship between Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood—that um, is, uh, an actor and his stunt double—who's uh, the real deal—is um, based loosely on the relationship between Burt Reynolds and Hal Needham. So then, um, so. Burt Reynolds says, well, I'll I'll be in this movie, but this is like one of the worst scripts I've ever read. So they like reworked it a little, but then also apparently they ad-libbed it. So the deal with smoking the Bandit uh, is, is um, Burt Reynolds plays Bandit. That's his, okay. So like, this is all part of like, there was like a, there was a song and like, I don't know, I'm guessing 73, 74 called Convoy. Uh, by cw mccall and it was like it, it was like all about truckers and cb radios and like i remember like a kid on my street i mean kids were getting cb radios for gifts you know and like who had a you know i, I we had a kid who had a base station and other, if you had a cb in your car i mean it was just like i mean i don't know what kind of an adult would allow it but i mean kids thought it was pretty cool and so, like, then there's like the whole like, you know, ten four is, you know, over and out or whatever. But ten one hundred is I got to take a leak. And I mean, there's like there are all sorts of uh, CB codes and abbreviations uh, that if I was thinking, I would have I would <laughs> I would have called up uh, before now. But uh, so anyway, uh, apparently, okay. So so Burt Reynolds plays the bandit who is uh, a great driver. He's uh, he's a truck driver. He's got a big rig with a fancy paint job on the side. And um, he's approached by uh, these two actors and they were so funny. Um, Pat somebody, Pat, uh, he, was, he was a big guy. He was Pat a big McCormick. guy. Pat McCormick. hilarious and uh uh his son was uh the songwriter paul williams who's actually like a really funny guy he's still alive still active on twitter he he wrote the uh he wrote the like the bad songs for the movie ishtar which i think is hilarious um so right now i i am i am on the hook for saying I've laughed out loud at smoking the Bandit in the last few days, and I love, I, I love the fit bat, fake bad songs in Ishtar. Um, I may not have any credibility left w- within the next few minutes. So then, uh, Jerry Reed plays the Snowman. It's uh, Bandit's buddy, and then uh, Jackie Gleason plays Sheriff
1: Buford, <laughs> teach
2: justice.
1: <laughs> He's the one who really cracks me up. <laughs> okay. So have Jackie you seen Gleason. this movie, Jared? Yeah. So I, I saw it when I was really young, but this morning I watched a documentary to kind of refresh my, my memory. And, and some of Jackie Gleason's lines were just killing me. <laughs> so like, so he, so his son, I guess I, I don't remember a whole lot about his son in there, right? He's kind of a, what?
0: Wait, hold on a sec. I just want to back up real quick. Jared, you prepared for this podcast. We, we don't really do that here.
1: <laughs> I told Jeff, I am tired of not being prepared. So I guess Jack, Jackie Gleason's son, right, is kind of a dummy. Yeah, he's and a big he, d- he has yeah. this He has this line where he tells him, there is no way that you are from my loins. No way. First thing I do when I go home is I'm going to punch your mother in the mouth. <laughs> <laughs>
2: that actually that totally made me laugh that made me laugh <laughs> because here it, it and jared that was a good reading all right that was a fine reading but if i may okay it was something it was a little more like this the first thing i am gonna do
1: when i get <laughs> home is punch your mama right in the mouth <laughs> And his stupid son. He's holding what a piece of evidence. It looks like a a car door, and he's sitting in the front seat with it. So <laughs> I put that in the back. <laughs> yeah.
2: Well, and then the other thing is, um, there's like all these scenes. So it's so stupid. I mean, I recognize that that this is not Fellini, okay? But it okay. So like as as the chase ensues like uh jackie gleason's car just keeps getting more and more torn up So the the roof gets torn off and so now they're driving around in a car without a roof on it and so there's like all these pictures of them racing down the road and and the, the grown son who's just a big dummy is holding jackie gleason's cowboy hat on his head (laughs) <laughs> well, it. it was hilarious it was hilarious sally field is just a cute as a bug and uh she's almost an afterthought i mean she she was just there i i don't know as as uh um uh, i don't know just just to be a cute gal you know i mean there's like a uh so so anyway um a lot, lot I mean, it was it was crazy. I mean, they made this movie for like three million and change. And it made like one hundred and twenty six million. million. I was rounding up jerk.
1: One twenty six point seven to be exact. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. I'm prepared. Preparation <laughs> once again comes through. <laughs> well, because Jeff gets onto to us if we can't give him an answer right away. And uh, how much did it make? Uh, who else was in it? Okay. I just
2: said 127 million dollars. <laughs> so Jared <laughs> Jared's at the Gunnison Colorado Library
1: library when
2: it, when, it, when it opens this morning. Uh
1: excuse- it's about as big as my living room.
2: <laughs> <laughs> excuse me, uh bookmistress, uh, could you help me do some research on a motion
1: picture? Bookmistress? I opened up my book and blew a big thing of dust out of it. <laughs> <laughs> wow, well, we haven't had anybody in here in over 30 years.
0: <laughs>
2: Smokey and the Bandit, that was just playing last weekend.
1: <laughs> so yeah, um, when I watched that documentary, Burt Reynolds... Said uh, what he what he thought about the movie. He said that watching Smokey and the Bandit is like eating Chinese food. About an hour later, you're ready to watch another one. <laughs> I that was pretty funny.
2: Uh, pretty funny, yeah. Uh, he, he he. Okay, so then, um, they actually started like playing stuff up, right? Like Burt Reynolds had that like high pitched laugh right that everybody thought was like really winning and and uh i mean i can't i can't i can't really do it but
0: at 39 minutes and 58 seconds we'll have producer jack mark that i want to have him cut that out now that's going to be the new intro <laughs> to the Manji expectations podcast
1: Man, if he can do that, that'd be great. (laughs) I
2: don't. I don't know. That would. That would require copying, (laughs) moving it to the front, playing the music. Then starting and playing it all the way through without listening to it and then expensive. Slapping to the music on at the end.
1: I mean Maybe Mr. Uh, Lincoln will persuade him, you know. To <laughs> Mr. Lincoln. <laughs> it's all about the Lincolns.
2: Um, yeah, so 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 uh Here's another thing that's kind of interesting. Uh, You two guys are in Colorado. I'm, you know, grew up in Colorado. Uh, So there was a time when Coors beer, Coors banquet beer, uh, could not be shipped, it was illegal uh, east of Oklahoma. Okay. So, um, and apparently it was prepared without preservatives. So everything had to be uh, within X amount of drive time. And I don't know if they didn't have refrigeration trucks or not. But uh, when I looked into that a little bit, I saw that like Eisenhower and Gerald Ford would both have it shipped back to uh, the White House. Boy, you want to talk about hypocrisy in in politics, you know, it's against the law. What's the Cuban Cuban cigars? (laughs)
1: Cuban
2: cigars. (laughs) Uh let's see, who was it? Uh I think it was I think it was Jack Kennedy who uh initiated the embargo against Cuba, but he made sure that he had uh Cuban cigars before he did so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh so anyway, so so the premise is they gotta get from uh Uh, Atlanta to Texarkana pick up 400 400 cases of Coors beer and get it back to Atlanta in 28 hours and this had never been done before it actually doesn't sound that amazing to me I mean it sounds like something that like a crazy female astronaut wearing a (laughs) diaper could do but (laughs) (laughs) I mean I don't know
0: I remember reading something something about that
2: yeah <laughs> so i mean there were just some hilarious there's some hilarious things and i think that you uh okay so and, and i am thinking about annie hall because uh annie hall is about okay so so um uh woody allen um uh, grew up in the 30s and i think that that I mean, he was a kid in the thirties and, and, um, in his movie radio days, it was like, you know, him and his buddies, like listening to, you know, spy smasher, uh, uh, radio programs and like staring out with cheap, a, a cheap spyglass, looking out in the Atlantic ocean, looking for German U-boats and stuff. But then, uh, In Annie Hall, he plays a comedian who meets his first wife um, at an Adlai Stevenson um, rally. Adlai Adlai Stevenson ran against Eisenhower twice. This is kind of interesting. There was a time when political parties would, I mean, like like now, like if you run for something and lose, you're a loser. (laughs) You're done. You're out. You're, well... Uh, we'll, we'll see what happens in 2024. Uh, if, you know, if we get that far, um, but, but, uh, uh, you know, like, like, for example, I, I don't believe that they would ever run Mrs. Clinton or Mitt Romney for president again. Okay. So, um, but in the fifties, uh, the Democrats ran, uh, Adlai, Adlai, a guy named Adlai Stevenson, against eisenhower in 52 and they just knew that they could get him again next time so they ran him again in 56 and eisenhower won both times and there's a there's a famous picture of adlai stevenson uh, with his legs crossed and uh like his shoe had you know he had leather sold shoes and you know how like you get a like you wear a hole under the toe so i mean apparently it was staged You know, to make him look like a hard working, long walking every man, but it's kind of a famous picture. Okay, so anyway. uh, So even though Woody Allen is older, he, he acts a lot like a baby boomer. I mean, he he's not but he does. So like the, the sexual mores of the baby boom generation he was all in with but like he didn't like rock and roll he's always preferred jazz he makes fun of annie for going to a rock and roll concert he gets set up with shelly duvall who plays a journalist for rolling stone (laughs) this is like a funny scene she's like she she talked about how great it was to see bob dylan he says because she takes just like a woman and she makes love just like a woman but she breaks like a little girl (laughs) and Woody Allen like rolls his eyes like these aren't exactly because you know those aren't Dylan's best lines and they're not exactly Cole Porter-esque are they so anyway um a little bit of a straw man but I thought that was interesting so anyway uh um so, so he goes through like this modern relationship. It was like this part of the world. So it was very New York, very, it was, it was very Jewish because, and he makes a big deal about that. He's always suspecting. I mean, his, his buddy, Tony Roberts, um, is always saying you're paranoid, Max. You're, you're always afraid that it's uh, it's anti-Semitism." He's like, well, well, I'm at, I'm at a meeting with uh, guys from NBC and, and, and they say, uh, I, I don't know, uh, Jew? Jew eat? Did you eat? <laughs> you? <laughs> it's like, you're being paranoid, Max. His name wasn't Max, it was Alvy Singer, but like him and his buddy call each other Max. So anyway, um, just uh, uh, a period, it, it was it was a glimpse of the country in the 70s uh, and you guys have heard me say before, you know, you 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 watch any of these TV shows, you know, whatever, Three's Company and everything else, Charlie's Angels. I, I honestly kind of believe that all of these cherished childhood, no, not cherished, but, you know, some fond, the Brady Bunch, uh, fond childhood memories, everybody was on cocaine. Barbara Mandrell, coked up, okay? Florence Henderson, totally coked up. I mean, all. I mean, I hate to sound like a crabby old man, but I mean, I honestly think, you know, that uh, you know,
0: <laughs> That's the how they eagles, got
2: the, day. the eagles were kind of the standard bearers for the for the decade. So, uh, uh, but but then Smokey and the Bandit, which came out in the same year, which has got nothing to do with anything. I'm just drawing the connection between them. But it was a different part of america and i think that that we continue to grapple with these different parts of america i mean which we call now red states blue states But i mean i i'll tell you what i mean i knew a lot more people um who were like the Smokey and the bandit extras than i did the annie hall extras so um which is like actually kind of the winning things about it i mean it's like you, you could see that they just like drove into Fayetteville and said, Hey y'all, we're going to make a movie. Y'all want to be in it? And they're like, sure. <laughs> and then, so, so like you see like all these like people like just like yelling and, you know, and bandit bandit comes roaring through town. You know, they got a bunch of extras there who looked like they got paid and.
0: Where's uh, beer? Uh,
2: <laughs> well, yeah, and, and uh, pulled, pulled, pulled pork sandwiches and, and Coors beer. Yeah, um, there and I, I and honestly, I do think that there was some hilarious stuff in it. Um,
1: uh, <laughs> it's like a scene. Where, here, here we go. Next quote. <laughs> <laughs>
2: so they don't know what. It, um, Jackie Gleason doesn't know that Burt Reynolds is the bandit and they end up next to each other at a diner. And so Jackie Gleason comes in and he says, I'll have a Diablo sandwich and a small Dr. Pepper and make it fast. I'm in a hurry. And, and Burt Reynolds is like, you, you chasing a bank robber, Sheriff? He goes, he ain't no
1: bank robber. He's a deep, deep maniac.
2: <laughs> and then he goes, where's the can? I got to take a squirt. <laughs> it's just, it was all just so stupid and crude. I mean, but I mean, it, I mean, Jackie Gleason was really funny in it. And by the way, by the way. There was a there was a, a made for TV movie in like like almost twenty years ago starring Brad Garrett from Everybody Loves Raymond and um, Fargo uh, part of an episode uh, a season of Fargo. Uh, I'm more familiar with one than the other. Also, he's <laughs> he's in a Jimmy John's. Uh, he's a re- reoccurring character in a. <clears throat> jimmy john's commercial arc so he plays jackie gleason and he was actually pretty good in it uh uh, like like from a young stand-up and then getting the honeymooners and 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 things like that so uh i don't know jackie jackie gleason was a a talented guy but at the end of mrs winger and i watched that and uh (laughs) mrs winger goes uh he was a jerk thing mm, yep
1: yeah that's what happens when you watch a documentary about anybody you find out they're all <laughs> most of the time they were jerks okay well most of the time they were bad people
2: okay just to be clear brad garrett actually it, this wasn't a documentary it was like a major tv movie uh, it was a biopic and um um uh so it so it wasn't a documentary. Um okay, walk the line. Do you think that made Johnny Cash look like a jerk?
1: Yeah. <laughs> terrible husband. He was a terrible husband. What well, to his first wife. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I after watching Walk the Line, after watching Ray, I was like, oh, I shouldn't have watched this. <laughs> what about what about the founder?
0: About the guy who uh Ray Kroc. (laughs) He
2: was like like the biggest jerk of them all. Okay, how about John Adams? (laughs) The HBO show about uh, American Founding Father. He was a crabby old guy, but
1: kind of liked him. You you know that when we were texting earlier about John Adams, that's not the John Adams I was talking about. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um,
2: We... (laughs) Jared and I had a mutual friend. Who uh, have you ever told the story about getting the weed whacker, trying to trying to fire up the? T- no, weed whacker is a tiller. Jared, can you? Can you no, remember? I don't
1: know what you're talking about.
2: <laughs> you don't remember that? Hmm. You okay? So we took your truck out to the the, the Adams compound, and. I was going to borrow their rototiller uh, to 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 till up some ground because Mrs. Winger wanted to do something, of course. And um, instead of just renting one for thirty dollars for half a day, uh, I drove twice as far and tried to get John Adams <laughs> to loan me his that hadn't been used in eighteen years. So um, so it's Sunday. It's really hot and he um uh it wouldn't pull it, it wouldn't start so like we're pulling it like crazy so then he like pops he he like he he i think he oh was trying to like prime the i don't know what i don't know what get a gasoline all over the
1: place <laughs> i don't
2: know what mechanical <laughs> purpose uh he was trying to achieve but it pretty much boiled down to filling every hole on the rototiller with gasoline,
1: and then I remember that now I do. And then he
2: would he would pull it, and uh, fire would shoot out of it, and it still wouldn't start. And um, so the thing the thing about our friend John was, uh, he was a helicopter pilot in Vietnam. So he he did two tours. Uh, he had done a third, but his wife made it clear that he wasn't gonna be married if he did a third one. So he came home and then was like a test pilot for a while. So who's he talking to? Oh, so when we were in Colorado, we were talking to friends and like, he's like an airplane nut. But he was talking to somebody and he says that flying a helicopter is like way harder because it's not just like the stick, but like you've got to like be able to like, you know, a, put the propeller a certain way. And and it, so apparently. Okay,
1: what?
0: <laughs>
2: Brian, do you have something to say about flying a helicopter? <laughs> no, I mean, no. Tell us about your funny,
1: helicopter, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us about your helicopter, Brian. Oh, well, it's funny. You, you,
0: you got to put the propeller a certain way. Yeah. And, and you have the pe- and you have the pedals and the stick. You probably got to do something with your left hand, too. I mean, it's just, a, it's just a lot going on with the helicopter. Don't
2: we assume that there's a lot going on with a plane, too?
0: Yeah, but I think there's more.
2: Okay. All right. Well, there we go. So, so with that expert analysis from the managing expectations, aviation team, <laughs> helicopters are harder than airplanes.
0: I think There's a separate license for that.
2: Yeah. So, so what I'm saying is like, it was John's job to like, like come in and land and extract troops, sometimes under heavy fire from the Viet Cong. Um, And this was his experience for a couple of years. And uh, it is perhaps for this reason that um, he was not in the least bit afraid of lighting any of us or anything else on fire (laughs) with with his rototiller of death. I don't even remember. I think I think it just like, it got to a point where we're like, hey, hey, you know what? I was just thinking, uh, you know what? I think I uh, it's okay. Uh, we got another thing. So, okay, you remember this well, now, Jared? I'm, I'm
1: standing behind Jeff. <laughs> I'm standing behind Jeff. Like, <laughs> so yeah, after he filled it with a gallon of gasoline and kicked it, I don't know what, 20 times. <laughs> we're like, yeah, yeah, we, we'll just go to Home Depot. Yeah, I don't. Yeah,
2: that was just That was funny. Uh, anyway, the HBO biopic John Adams, I think, uh, showed him warts and all. But hey, do you know where that comes from? The expression warts and all? No, Thomas Cromwell, uh, Henry VIII's advisor, uh, got him out of the that first marriage, uh, and the second. And,
0: and, uh, yeah. Henry then recognized his loyalty and just like promoted him and took really good care of him for the rest of his life. Right.
2: Yeah. Until Henry got a wild hair and, um, <laughs> Thomas Cromwell went out the same way, uh, Anne Boleyn went out, I think. Yeah. Well, it's just how you did it back then. Yeah.
0: So what's and all Thomas, uh,
2: thomas cromwell yeah his official painting uh he he told his uh i mean it's the one you still see on like book jackets and stuff um he told he told the painter to capture him warts and all Hmm. interesting huh
0: yeah it is
2: by the way have you read wolf hall
0: no ella ella has sarah has
2: yeah i was afraid of that uh, I'm not really one for um, historical fiction, per se, uh, and certainly, you know, I, and I don't give um, a fig about British royalty or anybody else's royalty, but Hillary Mantle wrote a really, really, really good book with Wolf Hall. We were uh, listening to it again. Uh, well, I, I've read it. We we're listening to the audio book on the way down from uh, Colorado. Uh, A couple of weeks ago.
0: Did you watch the miniseries with Mark Rylance?
2: I did. I did. And my Canadian uh, British friend, Diane, says uh, uh, the problem with it is that Mark Rylance is much too handsome to play Thomas Cromwell.
0: (laughs) He must have been really ugly then.
2: Hey, take it easy. (laughs) What's 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 what's
0: What's your Mark Rylance problem? Nothing, I don't have one. I just—it's it was... not as tight.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: who played
2: Who played Anne Boleyn? I, it is one of those like uh, wispy, um, uh, wispy British actresses that are all over the place these days. It's like it, it seems like it's who you can't get when you can't get Emily Blunt, but Emily Blunt's who you get when you can't get Anne Hathaway.
0: Whatever. Oh, I am respectfully dis- disagree. Uh, Claire Foy who has some experience playing uh, royal people.
2: Claire Foy. She was the first Queen Elizabeth in The Crown, right? Season one of The Crown?
0: Yep. Okay. Jared's, Jared, Jared's gone... done. <laughs> just say, I'm not, <laughs> just I'm not talking about get... the royals.
2: <laughs> he just he just uh got up to get his smoky and the bandit notes he uh he photocopied everything they had at the gunnison library the library mistress set him up in the performing hey, arts you know section and then also also, he, <laughs> also the automotive section
0: uh he wanted to be he's, he's upset because he loves preparation so much he didn't know that we were going to talk about wolf hall and so he stormed off and he's furiously trying to read all that he can about the miniseries and the book.
2: (laughs) How do you spell Rylance, you fellas? You say the actress's name is... Foy? Fair Cloy? Cloy? What? (laughs) So we we went to a going away party uh, this weekend uh, (laughs)
1: Uh, I'm back, you jerks!
0: now <laughs> yeah, we changed the sub. We changed the subject, and now you're back.
1: <laughs> I party, thought- you say?
2: <laughs> okay. So, in addition, in addition to everybody in both movies, both in Annie Hall and Smoking the Bandit, wearing bell bottoms, um, I think that they were both kind of instructive in uh, the changing. Uh, moral climate of the country, right? Um, but, you know, just, just some other changes. I mean, it's it's been, so 77 what, 45 years ago, roughly 40 something. And, um, I don't know, it seems like a long time. Fortunately, I'll probably be dead before it changes much more. So there's that.
0: <laughs> it's becoming a <laughs> recurring theme here on uh, the Managing Expectations podcast, this <laughs> is Jeff's mortality. I, I, I find it coarse and vulgar. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> Where was I? Oh, so um, uh, a a woman uh, that I uh, a woman that I work with um, is had plans. Uh, to move to Hawaii and teach yoga, uh, and 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 then the and then the lockdown, right? And then that changed everything. So she's been on hold, the way so many lives have been on hold. So, you really think um, there's an
0: opportunity there for that kind of thing in Hawaii?
2: You know what? She's 30 years old, or she's gonna. Yeah, I think she just turned 30. And oh, I see what you're doing. Does everybody want to laugh? <laughs> Everybody, laugh at laugh. <laughs> break. everybody want to have? Yeah. Jared, Jared <laughs> just got a. Jared got up to like research yoga in Hawaii. Where's <laughs> Hawaii? Just, man, he's behind in the count, and he just can't get ahead. He keeps fouling them off. Um. No, I I told her. Damn
1: you guys! <laughs> we haven't talked once about Casa Bonita. <laughs> I mean what the heck? I watched the South Park South Park episode on it in preparation for this.
2: <laughs> I um uh I told her I thought it was great because you know when I was 30 I went to the Philippines and it it, it would seem like it's going to be the great adventure of my life. So uh you know what? I told her I thought she should do it and and uh, you know um you know, she'll, you know, she, she won't regret it until she realizes like I have that when I, you know, that I was um, traveling and working part-time for the experience uh, during my prime money-making years. But other than that, I'm fine. Anyway, as, as has already been uh, touched upon, I'll be dead soon. Um, all right uh before we wrap it up jared wants to talk about casa bonita so what (laughs) what did you get okay so you you've never eaten there
1: no no i was i actually had more questions than (laughs) than answers because i was well if anybody's taking his family there yeah yeah let's Let's go yeah let's go yeah
0: fire away
2: Oh Wait, are we going to so, ring in or will you be, a, I mean, I mean, is it the first person to, to ring in
0: Mr. Winger, please. This is the <laughs>
2: Casa <Bonita> speed round. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, Brian, how many times have you been to Casa Bonita with your family?
0: <laughs> um, the, the kids have been two times.
2: Okay. And, and how many did you go with your parents?
0: Um, I think I went with my parents probably mm-hmm. a couple of times, and uh, then I, it seems I went on a school field trip there probably a couple of times as well when while I was in elementary school.
2: So you're at six, from the eighties to the aughts.
0: Yeah.
1: W- would so, you would so you, you compare so it twice a so decade? So- twice a decade.
0: Uh, twice Every. <laughs> Every ten years, I will go.
1: Is it still there in Denver? Is it still it, there? It's,
0: it's in it's in Lakewood, so it's it's uh, West Colfax. Um, oh, okay. So it's. <laughs> come on. What's so funny?
2: <laughs> well, you just said when he said Colfax, you said okay. Like that said a lot to you.
1: As I know it, where Colfax it, is. There's a lot on Colfax. <laughs> Colfax yes, is Denver biscuit man. Denver biscuit companies on Colfax.
0: Okay, so West Colfax. Just, just for the record.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, oh, my bad. <laughs> Darn it. <laughs>
0: um, I did. Okay, bad. so
2: so Brian says every every ten years, but it sounds more like every five years. It
0: <laughs> it's been a long time since I've been there. I think the last time I was there was probably two thousand. like five
2: so your children are like okay. two years old yeah you took two-year-olds to casa bonita
0: it wasn't my idea it wasn't it wasn't my this is oh. listen this doesn't yeah, seem I like think it's this, ever
2: anybody i mean it's it's
1: never anybody this idea. feels
0: more like a, a
1: An senate senate
0: committee hearing
1: <laughs> <laughs> jeff have you ever been uh, cause it does not seem like the kind of place you would ever want to step foot in. Cause I immediately thought of our experience together at Rainforest Cafe. <laughs>
2: would you like to tell that story?
1: <laughs> you know, I don't remember a lot of, about it, but I just, the thing I do remember is Jeff acting like a child there, but a child that absolutely hates this kind of thing. You know, mo- most kids love it, right? But Jeff was a kid. I hate this place. I'm gonna leave. <laughs> I, I'm, <laughs> I refuse to sit while a Brontosaurus comes over my head, <laughs> while I eat my Tricera chops.
2: <laughs> I have. Yeah, no you were in a bad mood that I day, though. No, I true. have no recollection of that.
1: Yeah, that was funny. He. Actually, you waited in the... You didn't even come inside. You just stayed in the car, didn't you? He stayed in the car outside. <laughs> in the sweltering 110 degree... Because that, uh, that was in Florida, right, Jeff? We were there with Linda Gennaris.
2: <laughs> I thought it was the one north of the DFW airport. Uh, well, I mean,
1: there's one there too, but I, I just remember...
2: I don't know. It doing was that like some board. some <laughs> vortexual hellscape of a mall, and I don't remember uh, the Janaris being with us. But you know, you were like, "This is so much fun." I don't think I sat in the car, though. I'm certainly not above it.
1: Um, he stayed in the car, <laughs> and then we all made fun of him at the Rainforest Cafe. <laughs> Oh well. I, mean, I, I think you were like, I am not a child. <laughs> it's like he. You, I think you called it Chuck E. Cheese for adults, right? <laughs> <Something
2: like that. laughs> okay, I have no recollection of any of this, but it all sounds right.
1: Is uh, so back to Casa Bonita, though. It, is it one of those oh. things where so like, I've been, I've been to medieval times one time. And it was something where I'm like, oh, okay, this was kind of fun. I don't need to ever do it again. So not the same. It's
0: it's, it's so the the food isn't great. It's it's musty, it's dark, um, it's extremely kitschy and it it, it feels Jeff, you remember Alley?
2: Oh sure. There was a lot more uh weed Uh, being sold and other things Uh, like okay so this is a mall when we were kids and like cinder alley was the one that kind of had that like had the dangerous record shop because on one half of it it was a head shop boy you talk about being ahead of the curve yeah but then there was uh they tried to clean it up a little bit but then the bathroom turned out to be like a place where um
0: uh, if you wanted to get some h you probably could (laughs)
1: is that where you were going with it jeff well um
0: (laughs) other things too
1: and if you don't if you don't know what h is you can't afford it (laughs) oh my gosh okay we need jack help jack help
2: because one of the restrooms (laughs) in Cinder alley (laughs)
1: was was known
2: as 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 a, a place where um, a certain sort of fella would go
1: uh, so this is what casa bonita's like
2: no no okay say so, hey.
1: You want to meet me in Bart's cave? <laughs> what was it, Black Bart's cave?
0: <laughs> okay, so you joke about. Okay, so Black Bart's cave was super sketchy. Um, okay, was... you know
2: when I when I read about Black Bart's cave last night, I was surprised that Fat Jeffy never got stuck in it. Is is my thing? <laughs> I mean, I'm just so happy that I don't have that story to tell. Just just close call after close call, I suppose you were saying, Brian?
0: I don't know. I don't know. I just uh, like <laughs> like you'd
2: be sitting there with your family your 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 you know your aunt and uncle from Indiana, your grandma and grandpa from Indiana, and That's exactly it. And then you'd be sitting there, and as I've said previously, um, my father referred to the cuisine as. Um, a, a, as a as a GD Mexican TV dinner, um, that he was so resentful that he had to pay ten dollars for. I don't know how much you have to spend at the Rainforest Cafe for
0: a $50 GD dollars a GD Brazilian plate. Brazilian TV
2: dinner. Um, anyway. <laughs> oh, Brazilian TV dinner. Am Anybody gonna use that? I'm gonna uh okay. So anyway, um uh, so so anyway, you'd be sitting there with your with your relatives from the from the small town from the country, and uh, then like actors would like come by and like you know bang bang and you know there's a guy dressed in black and uh, you know and then there's like another guy in a you know white getup and
0: there was a there was man. a guy there was a guy in a gorilla suit that would just run all over the place and terrorize the guests. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously.
2: No, you're right. And then there were the the cliff divers. The place was probably, what, two or three stories high.
0: It was a 30-foot waterfall that there was was a performance, and the cliff divers would would jump off and do a swan dive into this pool that just didn't really seem like it was up to, like, the International Diving Association standards. (laughs) (laughs) For depth or or cleanliness.
1: All these sharp (laughs) rocks around it.
0: (laughs) So... Uh, so Casa Bonita has has changed hands a n- number of times over over the years.
2: And, and yeah, Brian, uh, over your over your decades long visits, um, <laughs> would you say they've st- the the different owners have stayed true to the founder's vision? Yes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like you wouldn't know that that it had new ownership. There was. N- Really no indication.
2: <laughs> no upgrades. I, I did see no. they used to have like some sort of fire dance. And then they like shut that down because it turns out you can catch stuff on fire that way.
0: Yeah. Like the seating capacity is a thousand people. I don't know if you want like... <laughs> A thousand people and like,
2: I almost died like, when I saw that. Oh my god! Can you imagine being in that place with nine hundred ninety nine <laughs> other people?
0: And, yeah, and that's that's when little Jeffy gets stuck you, in Black Bart's. Cave. Do you think
1: there's ever? Do you think there's ever been that's more not than counting the people guy in that the seat. That's not
2: counting the staff. I mean, it seats a thousand. Right. Yeah. I'm sorry, Jared.
1: I uh, was so. Uh, I watched something on Casa Bonita too. So I, you know, I saw the whole inside, (laughs) but at no point did I ever see more than 20 people in that restaurant (laughs) seats, a thousand.
0: Yeah. They they must, that must've been filmed on a Tuesday night because. (laughs) So it is a a
1: popular, so it's.
0: I, I tell you what there, there, there's been times where it's, it's, it's busy. Yeah. Where, where, you know, it was, it was a thing. I mean, it was, it was like a big thing and um, it hasn't been open since COVID. They keep trying no. to, they've, they're in bankruptcy right now. They keep trying to open it, but they've had some safety violations and they had like a boiler explode since nobody was there at the restaurant during COVID. And, and it's just, so I don't, I don't know if it's ever going to open again. They keep kind of flirting with the idea, but <clears throat>
2: I remember my, my aunt and uncle and their kids, my, uh, I guess that would be my cousins, uh, came out uh, and it must've been 1978. And here's why, because uh, there was a record store in that strip mall and they had uh, the Rolling Stones, Some Girls album up all over. They had like promotional material. And um, on the cover, there's a woman in a bra and, um, uh, my cousin said, I don't think they ought to, I don't, I, I don't think that they should show women like that. Do you? And I was a little older than him and I, I was, I was perfectly comfortable with it, but, uh, that's why I have a pretty good idea that it was 78. Cause I think that's the year that some girls came out, Rolling Stones, one of the Rolling Stones, <clears throat> the best albums for my money, but just saying, so, uh, a documentary on uh, Casa Bonita. Well, we'll have to, you'll have to send uh, some of your, your recent, <laughs> your re, uh, Jared, uh, let me just say, I'm very, very proud of you for your extensive. <laughs> I think it's really, I, I mean, this, is, this has been a good show and it's because you have brought your A game and I appreciate it.
0: There's, there's really happened. no substitute. Yeah, there's no substitute for being prepared and there's no substitute for Jared today.
1: Not I'm so glad sad. I did because when you first said Casa Bonita I thought it was a movie. <laughs> I thought it was like all about movies and then I <laughs> watch a documentary and I'm like, oh right.
2: <laughs> so do you remember that, seeing that South Park?
1: Oh yeah. Yeah, I can remember Cartman running through the place trying to do everything as fast as he can. Oh my god, Casa Bonita you guys. More soap appears please. <laughs> Goes up to the to the waterfall. Ah so, the the cliff divers and the cliff it, divers standing up there and come on jump, you idiot! <laughs> <laughs> I
0: there I uh, there's a really interesting Westward article about uh Casa Bonita that shares some of the, the history about it. And the general manager says that, you know, uh when when we're open, like he'll hear a splash, like a big splash into the waterfall pool and it's like, Hmm, we're not having a performance right now. I wonder what that was. And like somebody, like every year somebody sneaks up to the top of the waterfall and jumps off into the pool, some guest, And uh, and you get it.
1: <laughs> oh, <laughs> unbelievable. <laughs> has there ever Chase been any accidents from the, the cliff diving? Cause oh, like I'm you sure, said, I'm that, sure that there, pool I'm looks sure really small. It is. Yeah, yeah, you. And the,
0: and, the, and the water's cold too,
2: <laughs> which means there's a picture of Brian getting out of it,
0: uh, being rescued, being rescued from it. <laughs> I, I didn't wait. I didn't wait twenty minutes before I went cliff diving after I ate.
2: <laughs> you could get. You can get cramps,
0: you can get cramps that way,
2: yeah. Uh, remember being like a little kid and just like watching the clock until you could get back in the water after eating that 15 minute rule, man? Yeah, all right, all right, boys, that's that's uh, that's good for today. This has been uh, terrific. uh, analysis of uh the films of 1977 and uh casa bonita and jared and <laughs> you you earned your money today buddy you you brought it yeah i <laughs> i Brian, get paid in friendship <laughs> do you have a problem giving jared a game ball
0: no <laughs> no no he he was he was the most important player out there today so so he gets it. No, I was more
1: I was more like I was more like Pippin. You know, i just I'm here to back the two Jordans up. <laughs> <laughs> uh Brian's
2: uh air would be Jordan and I would be like Jordash. <laughs> I would be I would be like Lardash. <laughs> <laughs> I stole that from somebody. I can't remember who made that joke. Uh, Lardash jeans. Okay, Uh, so this has been uh, the Managing Expectations podcast. We thank you very much for listening. Uh, 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 This
0: this episode is going to cost me a fortune in edits.
2: (laughs) Hey, listen, listen. The last time I asked for a simple edit, I asked for a scalpel, and and Jack came in with like like a a strato cruiser and just like cut like 30 minutes Uh, he cut the whole thing i asked for one word to be cut
0: some you know sometimes when gangrene has gotten into an appendage you're better off taking the whole thing off (laughs) you want to have good clearances I'm,
1: i'm i am this is why jeff needs to prepare as well, so he doesn't Jeff, say things Jeff that was we need prepared. to take out.
2: And listen, here's the thing. Here's the thing. This is the deal.
1: You were prepared to say those awful things.
2: Everybody in the Navy knows that when you go, when you got to hit the head, you're going to the men's room. You're going to the restroom, right? Uh, this has been the Managing Expectations podcast. We thank you for listening. Please like, subscribe. Share We are really gaining momentum
0: (laughs) We are
2: Okay we we lost And and here's the thing And I'm kind of sad about this But we lost our Israeli listener We we picked up Peru No (laughs) We picked up Peru And we're hanging on to New Zealand And as all players of Risk know It starts in New Zealand So until next time, for Jared Reiser, Brian Grimm, I'm Jeff Winger. Let's go to work.